Welcome back to WMAX TV and what an honor I have today to share with you some really juicy knowledge. I have Dr. John Demartini with me and he's going to do a phenomenal event this evening and he's giving me a bit of time today so that we can bring you some information about business, finance, family, and lifestyle. Welcome to the set, Dr. Demartini. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. And, you know, you have, I looked you up, and you've got 40 books that you've written. That's amazing. Well, I've been uh, a guy who loves to research and write. I guess that's uh, one of my favorite things to do. Yes, and how many books have you read? Uh, over 30,000 now. 30,000 books. Think about it. Count up the books that you've read in your lifetime. And what do you think that's done for you over time? Well, I've just had a very thirst, a strong thirst for wanting to learn. And it's, I had learning problems as a child, so I think when I finally learned how to read when I was 18, I, I was very inspired to read. So I developed speed reading skills, and I used to read four to seven books every morning and sometimes 18 books on a weekend. My gosh. Wow. So could you tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you got where you are today? Well, I was uh, born with a arm and leg that was turned in and had to wear braces. I think that had some impact on me because I think wanting to get out of those braces wanted me to be free. Mm -hmm. It wanted me to, to be able to travel. So I've been a traveler all my life and like the idea of freedom of moving around. Mm -hmm. I was, had learning problems as a child, had speech problems, which I'm now a speaker and uh, learning problems, which I then became sort of a scholar. So I think those voids as a young child had a major impact on me. Mm -hmm. I, was a, I dropped out of school when I was a teenager, was a street kid, made it to Hawaii, first in California and Hawaii, then Hawaii, surfed, and then um, was blessed to meet Paul Bragg, Paul C. Bragg, when I was about 17, 18 years old. And he inspired me one night with his one message in one hour, to do what I'm doing today. Mm. I never thought I was ever going to be intelligent, and the night I met him, I was inspired to, uh, well, I believe that maybe I could overcome that, and I had a desire to want to be a teacher and to travel, and I guess I haven't stopped since. I know, and you combined it all beautifully. Well, I just uh, research, write, traveling, and teaching is what I love doing. I, I, I full-time travel, and I full-time research and write, and I try to teach. I do somewhere between 300 and 400 speeches a year usually and do a lot of interviews mm -hmm. and just every minute I have I'm just like when we started today I was in there researching and writing and right. trying to try to upgrade my knowledge as much as I can because I feel it's my responsibility if I'm going to be a share of, of information I better keep observing. One thing that's really interesting that Dr. Martini just told me before we started is that when he does an event he, it's always different because you never have a planned idea in your mind, do you? Well, I, I do plan my life, but, um, and I have on occasion done outline presentations, but rarely. Most of the time I'm just researching and I'm just, I have blessed to I gather enough information to do a topic. I've never really done two topics exactly the same. I just get up and I start sharing. And I somehow have the gift of gab, I guess, because of it. <laughs> Although the gift took about... Uh, 45 years of, of doing it, <laughs> yeah. so I've been doing it a long time, but I, I just love um, watching the eyes light up and people get ahas and take their notes and start changing their lives and receiving feedback that we've made some sort of difference. I mean, I think we all want to make a difference. Absolutely, and I think that's what it's all about, right? Well, I, I, for me, it's, 
it's sharing ideas. And what was the first thing that you did that really made a difference in people's lives? Well, I think as far as a teacher, mm -hmm. um, I, I first, I was at Wharton and I was going to school there and I had just taken a GED and was blessed to be able to get into a school. And I was doing meditation every day and doing yoga at the time. And I had this Afro-American woman that was about 375 pounds mm -hmm. watch me. And she came up to me and she said, uh, is there any way you can teach me that? Now, I was very thin and doing yoga, and I was the anti-particle of this lady. <laughs> and when she asked me to help her teach her yoga, I was thinking, in my mind, I had two thoughts. One is, there's no way she could do what I'm doing right now because of her size. But her spirit and her inspiration to want to learn was so engulfing that I was so inspired that somebody even would ask me to want to share. And then shortly after that, I had a Persian man ask me to teach him meditation because I was doing that. And then I had uh, about 17 people gather around a table um, wanting me to teach them mathematics that I was learning. And it just kept growing from there. Well, by the time I was at the University of Houston, um, I ended up having, I used to just sit and read at lunch. Mm -hmm. And I had people gathering around, and we had sometimes 150 on average people every day gathered mm -hmm. around asking questions out under the trees. So we had an outdoor philosophy session every day. And when it rained, we'd go into the cafeteria, and they'd all gather there, and it grew. And sometimes we'd have 400 people there. Oh, my gosh. And, it, and, and then it just kept going. It, by the time that I went to professional school, I had classes every night, six, seven nights a week, and just never stopped. I just uh, went from the community to the city to the state to the nation to the world, and I just love traveling and sharing ideas. So I'm just researching every day, and so I have something to share. So you had a dream. And that's why it's so great for our viewers to have you here, because you had a dream, and you actually materialized it. What would you say was your biggest aha that you had to take it to that next level? Well, I had the vision that I saw when I was 17 years old was I was standing on a balcony in front of a million people, and I was sharing, and I have a Andrew Tischler, who's a famous painter from Melbourne, Australia has painted that. So it sits in my office today, a big, mm. big painting of me speaking. And what we did is we, he captured it by having the balcony, but he put a building, a major icon building from every major city in the world in the background as a metaphor for traveling global. Mm -hmm. So I've had a dream to globally speak since I was 17. Mm. And I just never gave up on it. I guess if you persevere on something long enough, everybody else kind of dies out and you end up there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not gotta, much competition. Just got to stay with it. <laughs> Sooner or later, you know, people go, oh, that guy's really committed. Just let him go. Yes. But I never stopped. And I just researched every day. Till I used to get up at 2 in the morning and uh, do yoga for 2 to 2.30, meditate. And then I would uh, speed read books, four to seven books on average. And then during the day, whenever I could, I'd read more books. And then each night, I would teach whatever I was reading during the day. Mm. And people used to come. They didn't care about the topic. So I would have 15, 20 people in my little apartment. And um, they'd pay me $20. And I'd make about $365 or something like that a day, which helped me go through professional school and helped me pay for all the books I was buying. And I just kept doing that. And then on weekends, I would do that. Or during the day, I'd do another one during the day. And I paid my way through school that way, and I never stopped that 
routine. Mm -hmm. And I still do that routine today. I still read every day and I keep sharing every day. And um, if I'm not traveling, I'm pretty well sharing. And how do you share now? Because I know you, you're traveling so much, I know they can't come to your apartment anymore. No. <laughs> uh, no, what I do now, I mean, I, I, I have the blessing to do one small workshop sometimes. And sometimes I've been blessed to have uh, executives have me come in and actually do one-on-ones with them sometimes, which is interesting. And uh, sometimes I get, you know, thousands of people. So I have... The biggest uh, audience I've ever had is 28,000 people, and I just did one recently in, in Dublin with quite a few thousand people. And, um, you know, I'm grateful if it's a small group or a large group. I, anytime I get uh, somebody who's really thirsty to want to learn what I have to share, I'm very grateful. And when you're there, they just show up. Well, I'm grateful for promoters. So sometimes promoters <laughs> bring me in to do it, and sometimes uh -huh. our company and our, our ed educational institution put on programs. Uh, we put on programs. And tonight is something we're putting on, so we'll have a small crowd under a couple hundred people. But but it will be uh, it'll be great. Tonight is on uh, building self worth, helping people realize uh, how to deserve so they can receive. Because many people feel they they subordinate to outer influences and inject injunctions of other people's values into their life, mm -hmm. and try to be somebody they're not. And they live in the shadows of people instead of standing on the shoulders of giants and enabling and releasing the giant they have within. So tonight will be about how to break through that and transcend the influence of other people's um, expectations and get on with being an unborrowed visionary, willing to go out and share the magnificence that you have. And you do this frequently, don't you, in different countries? This particular program? Uh-huh. Uh, no, actually, this is, I think we've done this particular program. I've done different ones. We have different titles, mm -hmm. and we have different... I know, there's so many. There's so many. I mean, I've done... <laughs> I. I when I was in practice years ago, uh, we had 900 different audio cassette tapes that we sold wow. of individual talks that we did each night. Mm -hmm. And people used to just buy them up. And um, so I, I just don't think I've ever done two talks. If I recorded them, they don't, they're not the same. They may have a similar titles sometimes, but they're not, they're not the same. That's awesome. Because I look at the, the audience draws out, you know, what to share. Exactly. Yes, so. exactly. So when you when you're talking to people from the stage, can you get a feel for what it is that they're needing, or are you just kind of? Well, um, sometimes people ask, uh, give me a title to to, to start. Sometimes mm -hmm. I find that out as I'm standing there. This is the title tonight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't add, they don't care about a title. They just say, just share, just what inspires you. I like those. Sometimes we do Q and A, and we don't have a title. And I love that because that way I, I get to fill the needs of the people. And uh, sometimes I change a title. I've had many times uh, people ask me to, to speak on a title. And when I get there, I go, that's not the title for this group. And I'll mention the title. So I, at least I honor the person that asked me to speak on the title for a couple uh -huh. seconds. And then I'll say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weave this title into my talk tonight. And I go in where I feel that will inspire the group. Mm. So I... Uh, I'm sort of naughty sometimes, but I, uh, I, uh, I get a sense for it. I, I feel like I can keep people engaged, and um, so I'm I'm able to do that. And you you have a program out. I'm very interested in about developing your genius. Talk to us about that. Well, I've been for many years teaching a class, uh, awakening your genius within, mm -hmm. and I guess I've been doing that for many many years, and. 
I believe that there's a genius inside everybody. And the second, everybody lives by a set of priorities, a set of values, things that are most important to least important in their life. And whenever they are living congruently and in alignment with what's highest on their value, they spontaneously are inspired from within to fulfill it. Mm. And when they do, they have the flow, not resistance. And they tend to build momentum, expand their space and time horizons, give rise to creative thinking, endure whatever opportunities and challenges that they face, and they become innovative and creative and wake up their genius. Genius is pursuing challenges that inspire you and conquering them for the, for the sake of serving people. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, we all have that. And I help people in the course identify what's really valuable to them and, and help them honor and give themselves permission to go after that which is really inspiring to them. Because sometimes they feel like, oh, I should be doing this, and I ought to be doing this, I'm supposed to be doing this, and those successful people do this, so I better do this, instead of just what it is that they really would love to bring to the world. Mm -hmm. And what is it would, and because there's always a way of bringing a service to people when you're doing something unique that's original. So I, t I help people become unborrowed visionaries so they can access that uh, the genius that they have. They all mm -hmm. have it. We all I have it. I love that. I love that. And I think a lot of it is trying to figure out and define exactly what that is. I have so many people that come to me and they'll say, well, and a lot of them in the spiritual realm, that they should be helping people with whatever it is, but then they can't quite get it off the ground. Well, sometimes they scatter themselves because of the injunctions of so many other people trying to please people. Mm -hmm. Even trying to please people and actually serve people. And there's a difference. So I, I developed a, a methodology I call it the value determination process that, that I developed that is a series of 13 questions to help people narrow that down. Because mm, I, I always say that you, you, what you spontaneously are inspired to do every day that you don't need to be reminded or motivated or incentivized to do is in the core direction of what this is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I look at how people fill their space, how they spend their time, what energizes them, what they spend their money on, where they most organized, where they most disciplined, what is it they think about, visualize, and talk to themselves about most, about how they want their life that's showing evidence of coming true? Mm -hmm. What do they converse with other people about most? What inspires them? What are the most consistent, persistent goals that they keep going that are coming true? And what is it they can't wait to get up and read and learn and study about? And I, I ask them a series of questions that discerns the top three answers of those questions. And then we look for the common pattern. And when we do, usually a tear in the eye comes. Because they go, oh my God, that's really what I'm up to. That's what I really would love to do. I said, well, then it's wise to orchestrate your life and have a symphony, not a cacophony. And to basically to prioritize your life and fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you. Or your day is designed to get low priority distractions that don't. Mm -hmm. So you would get feedback in your physiology and psychology and environment to let you know you're not being authentic. Because the most magnificent you is the authentic you. And I agree 100% because the authenticity is so important when it comes to talking to anybody. It's just, just be real. Just be themselves. Well, we, we, uh, if we meet somebody that we look up to and minimize ourselves, we'll inject their values into our life and cloud the clarity of our own mission. If we meet people that we look down on and we tend to project onto them, we'll in intend for them to try to live in our mission. Both of those are futile, and both of those are, are distracting. But if we realize that uh, the seer, the seeing, and the seen is the same, and that it, not to put people on pedestals or pits, but to put them in our hearts, mm -hmm. we liberate ourselves by our own equanimity and the equity we have between them and ourselves. So we, 
we then are allowed to be ourselves, and then we get to share a sustainable service to other people to return an investment of uh, economic spectators. And I think you just made a really great point about coming from your heart. That's what I teach too. And people are so here, even when they interact and they talk to each other, they don't, they're not in that heart space. And I'm trying so hard to, to get them to think differently. Well, as long as there's a judgment, they close the heart. Mm -hmm. So any imbalanced perspective robs them of equanimity. And the second they have equanimity, the heart opens. And the heart, the wisdom of the heart, um, the inspired guidance uh, is profound. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's so important that we really focus on who we are from that perspective. Well, I said in the movie The Secret many years ago that when the voice and the vision on the inside is louder and more profound than all opinions on the outside, you begin to master your life. Mm -hmm. I think many people have not yet transcended it. It was Kohlberg, the psychologist, who said that most people are trying to avoid pain and seek pleasure. They're living with instinct and impulse like an animal. Mm -hmm. And uh, then other people are subordinating to individual authorities like mothers, fathers, or preachers or teachers. Yes. And then the next uh, scale of people are basically subordinating to collective authorities of groups, communities, cities, state, nation, or even world. And then there's a few that transcend all of that. And they give themselves permission to stick their head out as the Paul Poppy and go out and create unborrowed visions and, and uh, really truly innovative, ins inspired genius contributions. And then they get ridiculed at first and maybe violently opposed and eventually they become self-evident and a new paradigm is born. And then they make the greatest difference being the most authentic them. Mm -hmm. And you know, I talk all the time about failures only and failures and mistakes not really being failures and mistakes. No, they're they're just learning experiences. They're on the way, not in the way. Right. The only time I say that you think you've made a mistake is when you've injected somebody else's values into your own and judge your actions relative to theirs. Because you made the decision based on your own values and you just did not honor them. Mm -hmm. And the moment you do, then you self-depreciate as a feedback to let you know you're not being authentic. Or you maybe just didn't know at that time the way it should be. Well, the should is not even... the, the What you made is the magnificence. Yes. You made it with the data that you perceived. Right. And that is the learning process that was necessary. Boy, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Now, when it comes to relationships, what do you feel is the most important heartfelt process in relationships because people get into relationships and out of them all the time and then they run around and talk about everybody else and what what are your thoughts on that well i think that every human being because they live by the their hierarchy of values the highest value is what their life revolves around mm -hmm. that's their identity and they want to be loved and appreciated for who they are mm -hmm. whatever that is mm -hmm. and they're not right or wrong for it they're just them and so the most honorable thing we can do is to find out what that is because we're not really, most people are in relationships with fantasies that they're projecting onto people, and then they're punishing the person when they're not living up to the fantasy that's been projected. The wisest thing to do is find out what they're really dedicated to, what they're inspired by, what their really life demonstrates spontaneously that's fulfilling to them, and then ask the question, how specifically is that person and what they're dated to helping me fulfill what's truly inspiring and meaningful and fulfilling to me? And don't stop answering that until you have tears of gratitude for them not the person you're trying to make them. Because mm -hmm. if you love them for who they are, they turn into who you love. Yes. And so find that out. And then turning that around and asking how specifically is what I'm dedicated to, what I'm fulfilled by, my highest value, how's it helping them fulfill theirs? 
So you now have information to have a dialogue, or otherwise you can have alternating monologues, which tend to erode the, the potential of the relationship. And every time they have a new relationship that they run away with, they have to look within, because otherwise, how are they ever going to figure out how to change that? Well, it, it, every relationship is really part of the perfection, because it's, it's giving you feedback to let you know what you haven't loved in yourself, and yet you're projecting onto other people. Mm -hmm. So I have a method that I developed in the program I teach called the Breakthrough Experience, which I've been blessed to do many times, 1,090 times. <laughs> oh, my. And... Uh, in there, I, I say that define specifically what is the trait, action, or inaction that you perceive in the other person in their behavior that you are either enamored with, with infatuation, or resentful to, with despise. And then ask where and when do you display or demonstrate that trait in some form or fashion according to your own values until it's quantitatively and qualitatively equal, which humbles you because then you realize you're not too proud or too... Uh, ashamed to own that trait. Mm -hmm. The moment exactly. you own the trait 100%, you pause before you judge. And then you reflect with reflective awareness instead of deflect. Then you ask, well, whatever that behavior that they have, how is it serving me? And if you're infatuated with him, how is it disserving me? Because it mm -hmm. calms down the infatuation. And if it's something you resent, how does it benefit you? How does it serve you? So it raises it up. And once you bring that into balance, you realize that there's just a higher order and these people are exactly what you need in your growth. There's nothing there to, to judge, but something to love and be thankful for. Awesome. That's beautiful. I love your words of wisdom. There's so, so many pearls of wisdom just in this one little short interview. I really appreciate this. And I'm so looking forward to tonight. What would be your final thought that you'd like to leave with our audience? Well, I, I, uh, in the, in the bigger scheme, from a transcendent viewpoint, nobody really knows the complete impact of any action. So we, have a, we do something, and somebody out of a narrowed mind might label it good or bad. Mm -hmm. But if we stop and reflect on it over a larger period of time in a bigger space and really transcend it from an infinite perspective, we'll realize that there's ripple effects and they counterbalance it, and it eventually just comes out to be really something we can be thankful for. Mm -hmm. So why have the wisdom of the ages with the aging process? Why not have the wisdom of the ages without it? By looking now where that balance is. And so we can then say, no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. And I think looking in the mirror, that reflects on ourselves. So we do that to others and do it to ourselves. We have a poised state, not a poison state. Mm, beautiful. I just want to thank you so much for your time. This has just been phenomenal. Thank you for the interview. And I so look forward to the event tonight. I know it's going to be... Sometimes I'm playful and trickster, so... <laughs> I, I didn't a, see that I here. Be, I was I hoping can, to see that. I can be a naughty boy sometimes. Oh, good? But I, yes. like, I like to tease people sometimes. Yeah, okay. But, but we have some fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank, Thank you. you again so Thank much. Thank you. And that's it. Shirlene Reeves here with WMAX TV. And I hope you really enjoyed this. And write in comments if you'd like. And I bet we could get some answers. See you soon.